0: And I, and like I said earlier, I don't necessarily step to the line thinking I'm a masters runner. I like to go out and just compete with whoever's there. And I know it's inevitable. I mean, it is. It's, it's inevitable. But I think because I love to run so much and I love the challenge it brings me, that it's it's never gonna. I'm not gonna be disappointed when I'm no longer a two thirty runner, marathoner. You know.
1: Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it. And this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you to Tracksmith for their support of For the Long Run podcast. I've been a fan of Tracksmith and their community first efforts ever since my early days of running in Boston. As my miles increase again ahead of some big goals this coming spring, I'm definitely doing it in comfort and style with their gear. I'm also proud to partner with Tracksmith because they're going to donate 5% of your order value to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for all orders, and you'll also get free shipping. The Michael J. Fox Foundation is dedicated to finding a cure and helping those living with Parkinson's. Both of my grandfathers have or had Parkinson's, and I'm grateful of Tracksmith's support for something so personal. Visit tracksmith.com slash for the long run to see some of my favorite pieces and all orders that start from that page will contribute towards this donation. Imagine a world where running injuries don't exist and every runner stays healthy. That's the world I want to live in, and that's exactly the world that Recover Athletics wants to make happen. Recover is the first prehab app for runners. It instantly generates custom prehab programs made up of strength, plyometric, and mobility exercises to help loosen tight muscles, get stronger, and run your best. Their team designed it with top physicians and marathoners like Meb. It's guaranteed to make you a stronger and more injury-proof runner. If you wanna fix your aches and pains, get stronger and set PRs, go to the App Store right now and download the Recover Athletics app today. And welcome back. I have Roberta Groner joining me from New Jersey. Roberta, thanks so much for taking some time to chat.
0: Thank you, I'm excited to be here.
1: Of course. So first question, who is Roberta?
0: Who is Roberta? Ah, she's a mother, a nurse, oh, and a runner (laughs) Um, who loves to challenge herself in probably all aspects. (laughs) And
1: we've had quite a few people request uh, having Roberta on the podcast. And the goal of this podcast is exploring the why and understanding what has allowed people to be successful at what they do in whatever definition that is. Um, And so a lot of people have been curious about your approach to life and training and working and family and all this stuff. So I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into all of that. But the first to sort of set the stage, do you remember your first run?
0: Oh, I mean, it was seventh grade. It was on a cinder track, if you don't remember those kind. (laughs) Um, And it was just, I was invited to join the track team and run the mile. I was kind of clueless. Um, My math teacher asked me to run. I was like, sure. So I don't really remember the specifics. I just remember it was hard, but I kept at it.
1: (laughs) And so you ran the mile and then, and then what? Did you feel good? Did you pretend to puke yeah. and walk off the course?
0: Oh, I was such a baby in high school, junior high. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think like I, I like the challenge, so it hurt really bad. And I was, I didn't really enjoy it per se, but I was like, oh, well, you know, I could be good at this potentially. So let me see, you know, what I can do. Um, but my high school career, I mean, if you talk to my high school coaches, they would be like, there's no way she'd be a marathoner because I complained and I cried all the time. <laughs> but you kept at it. I did. Yeah. How come? Yeah. Like I said, I think it was the challenge um, meeting people, friendships um, that I developed in high school. Then I went into college and same thing I had, so my best friends were from, I met through running. Um, and I liked obviously just that challenge of what can you do next time you're out there? What can your body do? So, but I just, I was not a very, I didn't like distance. I, I thought I was always just going to be a miler. I didn't want to do anything more than a mile.
1: <laughs> what, what was it that, um, inspired you to, to jump up in distance?
0: Well, actually when my senior year of college, uh, I took a, I, I stopped running for almost 10 years. Nine, ten years. Um I maybe was, I wouldn't even call myself a recreational runner because I didn't do much of anything. I finished schooling. I got married, had kids. Um, and then when I started running again, it was a nursing, uh, a nursing colleague of mine say, Hey, let's do the Pittsburgh half marathon together. And that's kind of how it started. It was, you know, someone saying, let's, let's train for this together and run it together. And then I finished that half marathon and, uh, started running with some more local people and they were doing Chicago in 2011. There was about eight of them and they're like, Hey, why don't you join us? And we'll train together. And that's kind of how it started.
1: What was that first finish line like after the 10 year break?
0: For the marathon?
1: For the half marathon. For the half marathon?
0: Oh, um, it was was exciting. I mean, it was just that accomplishment of doing something again and uh, and pushing yourself. I'd never done anything longer than a 5k. So uh, it was exciting um, to do it. And uh, being in my hometown with some friends and family, it's always a, a blessing.
1: So you finish the half and you are, you're like, I'm not going to do that again. Or this maybe the, there's something to this.
0: I said, there's something to this. So, and that's kind of how I explored meeting some uh, people in the community, started running with them. And then that's when they introduced me to, you know, Hey, let's do this marathon together. And that started it back in 2011. So 11 years ago, almost. So,
1: and what, what did you run that marathon in?
0: Don't quote me on the exact time. I know it was a three twelve. I don't know what the seconds were. Can't remember. And that
1: was your first marathon. Correct. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I might be pretty good at this.
0: Yeah. I mean, then it was just like I qualified for Boston and I was like, well, I'm gonna go do Boston. And then I broke three hours and then, you know, then I broke two fifty. Um, and so then I was just like just testing myself for like from I say twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, it really was just like what can I do? You know, um, didn't have any goals on Olympic trial qualifiers. I wasn't really in the scene at all. And um, and then in 2015, when I ran New York City Marathon, I ran a 245.30. And that was right when they, it was qualifying for trials. And I was like kind of oblivious to it. So I was like, you know, it was, I think they had just changed the time to like a 243. And then they moved it back to a 245 after New York that year. So like, why don't you go run another marathon? And I said, no, no, I'll just try it for 2020. And that's kind of where my goal set in for, uh, 2020 it was back in 2015.
1: So you set, you set that 2020 goal back in 2015.
0: Well, oh, it was. Yeah. I mean, that's where my marathon, that's where my Twitter handle came from marathon girl, 245. uh, <laughs> back in 2015, I joined Twitter. So that was the goal to just qualify with the B standard. And I thought, you know, it would be an accomplishment and it, which it is to anybody, but, um, but that's kind of where, I started really pushing myself, got a coach uh, did more more mileage and things like that.
1: so you wear a lot of hats yeah. um and I'm curious your your take on balance
0: It's very important. I can't hold myself like just to running i i can't, I had to be flexible, I guess it was balance, and there's flexibility. I have to make sure. I have to go into the day open-minded in some sense. Like if something doesn't happen, can't be hard on yourself. Um, But there is a a balance and it's maybe giving up a little bit of free time on one thing or the other at certain times of my life. But um, I just have to have a set schedule, not a set schedule. I don't want to say set, but I have to have a routine and a schedule to make it all work.
1: So I've, I've gotten a little glimpse into the life of, of a nurse. My girlfriend is a nurse at MGH and I can't imagine like doing anything after a shift. And so I'm curious and honestly, she she was curious, like how, how do you go about training with such um, big goals with such a schedule? And, and can you sort of elaborate on what your schedule might look like from a work perspective first?
0: Yeah. So I don't want to discredit my job, but I no longer work in the hospital setting. So um, since 2014, I have worked in a office setting. Like, So I'm, a, I'm an office supervisor for right now, a primary care office for a larger organization in New Jersey. So my hours are Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5. So that does give me a little bit more uh, flexibility compared to, yeah, you work a 12-hour shift. You don't know if you're going to get out on time. You're working long days. Um, so I don't have that per se anymore. I did that, you know, for 12 years, uh, prior to 2014, I was a a hospital staff nurse. So it was a little different than training. I wasn't going to do more than 40 to 50 miles, but now with this type of schedule, I can, you know, take a lunch break, run for a half hour, quickly get a couple more miles in things like that. And it's not my whole day.
1: That definitely sounds a little more, uh, straightforward. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you still, you do still have a family. You do have, you know, other obligations. And so I think it's interesting to hear about people who are training at a higher level, trying to put in a lot of miles, like when they're not strictly professional athletes.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like for me, it's morning. Um, now my kids are teenagers now, but I just always make sure they're up, kind of getting out the door. Uh, they're all in high school. And, um, but then there's the, you know, I have to make sure I'm up ready I go for a run. It's very limited. It's very set. It's like 10 to 12 miles. Can I get it in? I get a quick shower. I have my lunch already packed and I'm out the door and to work. And then it's, like I said, the 30-minute lunch break when I'm marathon training most days. And then it's back home when I have my kids and uh, you know dinner time and you know family time in the evening is what I try my best when I do have them. I'm divorced. Uh, so it's a 50-50 custody, but, um, which gives me a little bit of more flexibility too on the days I don't have my children.
1: What is uh, what does 2022 look like for you from a goals perspective?
0: So um, there's one big goal. I mean, it's been a, a goal for a while. It's attempting to break the American record for my age group, uh, which is two twenty seven forty seven. It's a big goal. I kind of had this goal since 2020, but COVID came and uh, things happened, and, uh, and now I'm kind of getting back into the swing of things. And I'm hoping that for the fall, that's the big goal.
1: Are you going to change your Twitter handle?
0: I just have to keep it because it's just the original. (laughs) Um, So that is one big goal. Um, I would like to work on some more speed. So, you know, I qualified for the trials. That was kind of Houston was I needed to get a monkey off my back. I didn't finish the trials. That was my last marathon. So it was working that out. I've been dealing with some fueling issues, so that d- didn't help during the this marathon, but it was good to meet my, like, let's say BC goals. It was finish, qualify. And now I can focus on some different things, you know, not have to do a spring marathon or, you know, I kind of have that off the plate so I can do some fun things for a couple of years.
1: Very cool. So I've had someone on the guest, um, I believe it was Teal. We spoke, uh, in march of 2020 maybe anyway she went from like a 330 marathon or a 320 marathon to a 240 something or 230 something and wow. so i find i find this like a 45 minute change 45 minute pr between first and goal to be like monumental like if you run a five-hour first marathon and a four-hour second marathon like not to discredit those times but you have a bit more wiggle room in terms of you know once you go under 3 every minute is 2 yeah. minutes or 3 minutes. So does that feel monumental to to go even from 245 to 230 and mm-hmm. under 230 like talk to me about less about the time itself and more yeah. about like how do you take those bites out of out of the time on the clock?
0: You mean like training wise you feel or um, conceptually
1: even conceptually? less about the details more uh-huh. about like how do you, how do you like rectify that much time? Or do you?
0: No, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say I don't, I don't rectify it. I just, um, I just, for me, it's always just trying to bring the best version of myself every day. So I don't really put like, I say, I said, I have a goal for two, you know, breaking the record per se, but it's just giving my best version of myself every time I'm out there. I don't think about my age. I don't think about um you know starting line with 20 year old women it's just what can i give today and it's just brought me to where i am at my time and uh could be my last i may not break 230 ever again but i can't even really compare to the 2019 me i have to focus on the 2022 me
1: what i think is so fascinating about people who have achieved a lot of objective success or progress is that they're so zoomed in or zoomed out on maybe you you can decide on which, which it is, but they, they don't, they don't focus on the goal itself. It's more the process. And so I asked, I asked, um, a member of Bowerman about this and her answer when I asked, you know, what fast forward five years, Mm -hmm. what are you really proud of? And she said, getting better and just being the best version Mm -hmm. of myself. And here's someone who's being paid to go to the Olympics or Mm -hmm. get to the Olympics. And, um, we saw, you know, a pretty long, um, Twitter thread this morning from Brad Stolberg on like how to focus on the process versus the outcome. And the takeaways from that were, were basically if you zoom out and focus on the process of getting better, you'll generally hit the objective goals that you're trying to, trying to achieve. And I find it so fascinating that like, if you don't focus on what you want to focus on, you're more likely to get there by just reframing the perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see see that. No, I I mean, I feel that's necessary. I I feel like for me, like consistency, not being hard on yourself, giving yourself the breaks, you know, um, and for me, like having the support and understanding of my family is I think another thing that sometimes, you know, I wouldn't say, I think as a mother and, you know, having different roles and different hats, you, you feel like you want to give everything all the time and you may have this guilt factor come in a little bit, but I think... For me, my kids and I have had so many discussions and it's, they see, they see now like, wow, this is hard work. And this is what happens if you have a passion or with anything, because my kids don't run, they don't like running, but they, I think they see that, you know, to be the best version of yourself, you have to, like you said, put things in perspective and do those steps. It's not just, oh, I got fast, you know, overnight. And uh, no, it was like a 10 year process. It wasn't quick. You know, it took every day doing something you know, to get better.
1: When did the kids realize what was going on?
0: I don't even know if they really understand. I mean, they do, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's not even downplaying it. It is such a aspect of my life that I don't bring up on daily, daily discussions that it's just like normal. Like, well, they'll be like, oh, you were in Houston this weekend. How'd you do? Or I heard from a friend you ran fourth. Like, it's not like part of my, like, Daily topic with them, unless they want to bring it up, because I don't want it to ever be the center of my life, even though I love running. And it's it's something that I strive off of an anchor for me. It's not just the only thing about me.
1: Has that always been your approach?
0: Yeah, but probably I would say more in the last like five years I really wanted to make sure because there maybe it was a time when like I I felt like, oh, I just broke two thirty or, you know, I placed second at CIM and you get a little like, I don't want to say big in your head, but you know, wow, I what can I do? Um I had to step back from that and just and just enjoy it and not keep searching for the next thing, you know, the next goal, the um about running. I wanted to make sure if the kids came along or, you know, if they wanted to come along, I wanted to include them, get to know what it was like, but not force them either.
1: It's fascinating when you can sort of disassociate from like what's happening. Like my running right now is probably the best it's ever been, but I live in Boulder and everybody around me is like way faster than I am, or they have Olympic medals or whatever. And so like, it really puts it in perspective of like, there's always someone doing more with less. Like um, people who are able to do this kind of stuff with a family full-time job, Kids, all this stuff. Like, I can't imagine how the, how that gets done. Like, I was I was running with a friend yesterday, and she's a mom of two. uh She just ran her first marathon in the in the low threes, and she could probably go to forty five. You know, in a couple of years, and she was talking about how she's like the hardest part for me is you know I do a long run, and then I've got two kids I've got to look after, yeah. and I'm like. I do a long run then I'm like completely useless for four hours. Like, so I'm curious, how do you do that?
0: I, I think now it has been such a routine now. I, I, I won't sacrifice family time. So even if I'm exhausted after a 20 mile run and it's my weekend with my kids, we're out doing something. We're enjoying our time together. Um, so for me, it can be exhausting after a cycle, you know, maybe when I'm just going through that right now, after, after Houston, like I had so much put into the cycle. There was never any downtime that once I stopped after I just, it's like, let it all out, just relax, you know, but in that 12, 14 weeks, it's every minute is spent on something.
1: So talk to me about recovery and like periods of recovery and like how you structure the year, right? Cause it, it seems like you go pretty hard for 12 to 14 weeks and then race, at least as you mentioned here, um, I have a friend, Mary Johnson, and she talks about like seasons of life where some, sometimes the pendulum swings one way and sometimes it swings the other way and you can't, you can't go all the way all the time. Uh, So talk to me about your approach in, in that regard.
0: So I think leading up to the trials, it was very aggressive. Um, I was training a lot. Like there was no give and take. It was like, I was always, seems like I had to be on for a marathon or something. And then COVID hit and it was almost like a two year, a year and a half where there wasn't a lot on my plate. And uh, so now it's like trying to get back, like I said, into the swing of things where I'm training for a marathon, but then I want to take some downtime. I think it's important to focus on some different things, not always be a marathon. And... That's where I'm trying to now bring that into my approach more, especially I am getting older. um, And so I want to make sure I've been fortunate enough not to have too many injuries. So I feel like it's necessary to take a season off, maybe, you know, do some low mileage, focus on something else. Um, I've been putting more strength training in when it comes back to having time for everything. That's where I struggle the most probably is I just, sometimes I can't fit it all in working family running and then trying to squeeze in an hour at the gym. Doesn't work.
1: <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah. I think it's important to um, like, as you talked about, you were like all you're all in on Houston and then you have that time to let it swing back in the other direction. I think that there are a lot of people in the running community that like race a lot and it works until it doesn't work and you've been fortunate that your approach has worked for, for quite a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did have some big things for this spring where I wanted to focus on speed, like do the cherry blossom 10 miler, um, do Pittsburgh half. Um, but then life happened. Like I've been dealing with what I thought was elbow tendonitis and we had, I did a steroid shot back in like in August and the orthodox said, Hey, it comes back. Let me know. We'll do an MRI. Well, it came back. It came back in December And uh, we just did an MRI and I have two tears in my elbow. So I need surgery. (laughs) It's not running related, but it's the, uh, well, to be the best version of myself in the fall, I need to fix this because I can't strength train. I can't, you know, there's things I can't do that I know I need to do. So if that means now six weeks of no running, you know, these are like life choices, but it's, I think, you know, it's hard when something comes up, you know,
1: how did you first respond when faced with six weeks of no, no running?
0: Well, if I recall, I thought he told me back in like August, two to three weeks. And now he's like six weeks. I'm like, wait, that's a different, different time frame for me. Um, I'm taking it as like, I mean, when I was, I had to think about it. I almost went back and forth. Like, well, can I just hold off? It's not that painful until after my race in the fall. But then I'm like, well, I'm not sleeping well. Cause it gets stiff. It hurts. It's painful. I can't lift weights. That's not going to help my goals. So, you know, sometimes you just have to find other ways to stay in shape, you know, and in in that six weeks. So that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. If I, like I said, I'm penciled in for like a week from now, roughly. And so it's like, if I can get it in and get it done and still have somewhat of a spring, summer season, then that's what it is.
1: So let's say six weeks passes and you're getting out the door for your first run back. What do you think you're going to be thinking about?
0: Oh, <laughs> probably just enjoying it. Cause I'm going to miss it. You know, I think when you love to run, I love to be outside. Um, I like the feeling I get when I accomplish something in the day. So I think it'll just be this moment of enjoying it. I don't think I'm going to put too much stress on how quickly can I get fit again? Cause that's just the way of getting injured. So I have to take it probably day by day but just enjoying that moment. It's going to be hard. I think I have never I mean in the last 10 11 years I can't recall taking 6 weeks off. <laughs> so
1: I took 6 weeks off in the beginning of 2020 thanks to um, bilateral stress reaction in my tibias and I didn't run from the end of January until the middle of March. And so the pandemic started and I started running my 20 minutes again and um, those first run runs back were So interestingly timed in terms of like the appreciation I had for those 20 minutes in the day at that time in history, I guess you could say now, um, that it was just like it evokes like a sense of gratitude that like you get to do it because six weeks isn't forever, right? It's not a long time in the grand scheme of things, but it's long enough <laughs> more it's than two en- weeks.
0: Yeah. It's long enough. It was, like I said, we had planned, uh, my coach and I had planned to really start focusing on some speed because
1: oh. <laughs> we have a cat update here. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, cats. Okay. Sorry. Um. So, you know, I had this in my head, like, I'm going to work on speed because during Houston training, I was getting some fast times. Like I was, I was doing, you know, 507 miles repeats, like, you know, things that I didn't see in a long time, nor did I think I would see again. So, you know, I was very excited to focus on that and and bring that to my training again. Uh, But like I said, things happen and I'll just be grateful for when I get to run again.
1: Thank you again to Tracksmith for their support of the podcast. Tracksmith is a Boston-based running apparel brand born from a desire to celebrate both the history and the evolving culture of running. I have been loving their Van Cortland long sleeve, which pairs well with the Olsen half tights on a brisk fall day. Recover Athletics is a supporter of not only this podcast, but also my own running. It was built in Boston by two lifelong training partners who got tired of aches and pains getting in the way of their training. In 90 seconds, their app will customize a program for your body and your training. I plugged in some of my more common aches and pains, and I got a custom-built program designed to strengthen the muscles and tendons that will help avoid these issues going forward. Your first custom prehab program is free, and they have an unlimited free trial. You can get it on the app store right now by searching Recover Athletics or click the link in the show notes. If you like it and want to upgrade, their premium subscription costs less than one trip to a PT. Give Recover a try today. Your legs will thank you. So I want to comment on something you just said. You said you were running times that you didn't think you'd see again. Yeah. Um, And so you're running marathons and workouts at paces that like most people in their prime couldn't imagine running. And so I'm curious, how do you how do you think about that in relationship with being a master's runner that like you've run really fast and you might run really fast again, or you might not?
0: Yeah. I think it's back to what I talked about earlier, not really trying not to compare myself to my younger self or I'm aging. It's trying to stay in the moment and see what I have. So like, for me, it's like, if I see it during the cycle, I see some fast times. I still think I have it. I'm going to believe in that until it's not there anymore, you know, until I'm not producing those times or in a race. Um, and I, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily step to the line thinking I'm a master's runner. I like to go out and just compete with whoever's there. And I know it's inevitable. I mean, it is, It's, it's inevitable, but I think because I love to run so much and I love the challenge it brings me that it's it's never gonna I'm not going to be disappointed when I'm no longer a 230 runner marathoner you know
1: this reminds me of a conversation I had with Mike Wardian a couple years ago Um, and the year prior he had raced I don't know like 1600 miles and that's often more miles than like many people run in an entire year and so I asked him I was like why do you race so much Why do you run so much? And his answer was because one day I won't be able to. And one day, like, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and that's the end of it. Um, And I want to be like happy with what I can do right now. And so it also reminds me of one of those silly, like, audio clips that you see on Instagram that was like the secret. I I might butcher this, but I'm going to attempt it. The clip was like a 10 second quote that was like the secret to winning is. Being in love with what you have in the moment, and I think it's so powerful that like you can always want more, but if you if you're grateful with where you're at in this moment, like, and don't need more, yeah. uh, I think I think that's a powerful place to be.
0: Yep. No, I agree. I, I I think I try to practice that, or you know, I think we have to practice these things too. It's not easily comes. Right. We still have our insecurities and things that might creep in our our brains because that's only human nature. But I feel. That, yeah, like, it's just giving what I have in this present moment.
1: So you mentioned it's an intentional effort. How How is it an intentional effort for you?
0: Well, I think because I have to, because I think, like you said, some doubt may creep in. And I have to tell myself, this is it. This is today. We can't look back at yesterday. We have to look at today. We can't go back in time. So what can I give today?
1: Is it hard to believe that sometimes?
0: It can be. I mean, that's part of, like I said, I feel like that's part of my, at least me. I feel like, like I told you earlier, like this monkey on my back from the trials, am I going to finish another marathon? Can I do it? So I think sometimes we, we battle with these things in our head, but you know, once I start doing something, then it's just go do it, you know, show up.
1: And keep showing up,
0: keep showing up, keep showing up. There was a time I think after, after the trials, I didn't know, you know, what I wanted. I, cause I felt that, Maybe like, because I want to explore other things too. I love running. I want to explore other things in running. I still have this goal for a marathon. I still don't think I finished my marathon story yet, but I feel like next step is ultras or doing something just different um, off the scale. I'm not really a great trail runner, but I love being out in nature. So I'm excited to eventually move forward with those things. I want to challenge myself more, but I feel like the story's not over yet, at least in my book. So I want to continue at least another year or two.
1: So you've said my favorite line there, which is, I want to get into ultras.
0: <laughs>
1: um, my opinion is that anyone can run a marathon. I don't think anyone can race a marathon. But as you get longer in these ultras, I, I don't even think everyone can. Yeah. And so I think that's what's most interesting about it, that at some point, it's not a physical challenge. It's it becomes a mental challenge. So I'm curious why, why ultras for you?
0: Like I said, it's, I think, a mental challenge um, seeing if I can do it. Because I don't know. I've never stepped over 26.2. Um,
1: You're really good at tangents, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I guess let's quote that. 26.4, 26.5. <laughs> I am not that great at tangents. Um, but I haven't done much more than that. And so um, I think it's just naturally like, what can my body do? Like, Can I do it? Is it physically? Well, I think you said physically, we can do it, right? More than likely. I could run it, walk it. Right. Um, but it's the, the mental aspect of, you know, doing it and challenging myself. So for me, I, like I said, I don't know if it would be trails per se, just because out where I live, I mean, we have some trails, but I'm not, it's not accessible, like Boulder or, you know, and so for me, it would be probably more road, road racing still just because of my terrain accessibility right now.
1: So I lived in Boston for the first 30 years of my life and a few years ago I wanted to run a race called Broken Arrow and I wanted to run the 52K and it starts in uh, Palisades Tahoe at, I don't know, 5,000 feet and goes up to like 8,500 feet and lots of climbing, lots of climbing. And I said to my coach, I was like, what do you think about the 52 K? He was like, how about you pick something that you can train for? <laughs> Cause I was living <laughs> in Boston and at yeah. sea level and the yeah. highest, you know, I could get in my run was, um, leaving my fourth floor apartment. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I was able, you can, you can find ways to do it, but it's like really hard. Um, a lot of repeats on like very similar terrain, but, It'll be interesting. I'm I'm going back to do that race again. So I ran I ran, uh, three three twenty for the twenty six k, which ended up being fourteen miles, and it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done. And so oh, my yeah. goal this year is to like break three. Now that I'm, um, living at altitude and running mountains and whatnot, but it's an interesting point. And and I think that the the road ultras versus trail ultras are like categorically different. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think road ultras are a physical challenge that are, I think a little harder than trail ultras, honestly. Um, so I'm curious, like what, what's on the horizon for you? What, what are you thinking about if anything
0: for, so like I said, the fall, um, maybe Berlin or Frankfurt potentially, and then again, it would be um, training blocks of some shorter distances, and really, you know, I got to get. I, the goal is to be on the starting line at the twenty twenty four trials and, and finish. I think my perspective will be different. I know it will be um, because I went into twenty twenty trials thinking just go for it because I'm forty two and I know I'm in good shape. And if it doesn't happen, if I don't try, I won't know. And so it was a DNF. And I, but I don't regret that because at that moment, that was a decision I made leading up to the trials this time, um, in 2024, it will be to, to acknowledge, I guess, I wouldn't say my running career cause it won't be over, but it, I think it may be one of the last like competitive marathons for me. That's kind of like looking ahead and, uh, loving every moment of it being out there. So
1: how do you ensure that you'll love every moment of it? Even the hard moments.
0: I think it's just like my perspective back to worlds in 2019 it's being present and just looking around and smiling and thinking I'm here and I did it you know and even the hard moments you have to smile that's what my boyfriend tells me smile pain is temporary
1: a friend once um referenced the line you didn't come this far to give up now talking about <laughs> um like at the end of a hard workout or at the end of a race and I thought about that specific line in my um in the race, I ran my marathon PR. I had started like slowing down a little bit at from 18 to 20. I was like, "All right, you've come this far. Don't don't screw it up now." Basically, and yeah. it's so powerful, like what what the mind can do in those moments.
0: And I really feel like the mind is probably the hardest thing to control. I mean, obviously, we get physically tired and things could start to break down, but it's how you hold up in that mental aspect on where you go from that moment. Like in Houston, when I knew things were like kind of shutting down, I wasn't getting any fuel in. It was okay. Don't look at your watch anymore because that's going to be the mental game that you're going to play with yourself. Don't look at your watch, get to the finish line and, and enjoy those moments, you know, even though they were hard. uh, Yeah. So for me, it's, it's definitely, I think more of a mental game.
1: (laughs) Totally. There is a line from the movie 14 peaks. Um, which was about Alpine expeditions above 8,000 meters. And it, the line was, when you think you're fucked, you're only 45% fucked. <laughs> definitely true. Yeah. I think it's, it's so cool, but it, that, as you said, that, that muscle takes training as well. So I'm curious, is that something you intentionally practice?
0: I, tr- I, I work on it. I would like to be better like at meditation and, and, and things like that. I think, um, For me, it's my running. To me, is my meditation. So I try to practice it the best when I guess I don't to a workout, and it's hard. It's like it's you think it's hard, but it's not hard. So keep going. You know, nothing's nothing's breaking. (laughs) It's just your mental aspect saying it's hard. So just keep going. Makes sense. Yeah,
1: Yeah. just one foot in front of the other. Um, A topic I've discussed a lot on the podcast recently is defining success. So I'm curious what what your definition of success is.
0: Um. For me it's like I, I think it all goes back to putting my best foot forward every day. Um and whatever it is, showing up with the right attitude, right intention and um it can only lead to good outcomes usually, you know. And so I don't define success by monetary or um you know, what kind of uh, money I make. It's really just about being the best version of me and that usually makes me feel successful.
1: What would Roberta of have- 2022 say to first that seventh grade <laughs> miler.
0: I would we'll start. I there. would tell her to suck it up. <laughs> 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 Stop complaining. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's only a mile. <laughs> um, I would tell her to to enjoy the moments because I didn't enjoy them when I was young. But, but I don't know if that just comes with aging, right? Um. I only, I feel like I only, when I look back, I think I only ran and that's why I took a break from it because it felt like it was something I had to do to help me with college. Um, I didn't have a passion for it. Like I did when I came back to it. And so I really think looking back, I needed that break to really be where I am now, not just physically, but to appreciate every moment, love the journey. I wasn't loving the journey when I was, let's say, 20 years old. It was just something, oh, I have to detract because that's part of the program.
1: The reason I asked this question, fascinating answer. Um, The reason I asked this question is because so often the response is what so many people need to hear like right now versus like, a seven-year-old middle schooler, you know, running a mile, needing to be, you know, told just (laughs) keep doing it, keep doing it. Um, So often, like, that specific answer, whatever somebody would say to their prior self, like, dozens of people will hear that. And, like, honestly, like, message me and be like, this is crazy, I was feeling the same way, or like, this and that. And what I think is so cool about, like, having a conversation like this is how, you know, you... Probably run faster than many of the people who might be listening, but they can still relate to the struggles that you're having, or the struggles that you've had, or they, the all of the um, all of the challenges that you've experienced and overcome. It's all part of the the same experience. So I'm curious your your relationship with the running community.
0: You mean like local, like, how do you mean by running community? So
1: what, what is first, what is, what oh. does community mean to oh, you? Oh, so,
0: I mean, for me, it's community is my friendship. So, I mean, I, I moved to New Jersey without knowing anybody seven years ago, um, and running obviously was part of my life. Um, and I feel like I have made the most memorable friendships and not just like memorable, like true, I have met and bonded with some of the, the best people because of running. I think we share something in common. We've dug deep together and, um, you can appreciate that. You know, I think, um, I don't know, sometimes because I'm a quiet person and, and I'm, I don't say I'm an uh, introvert per se, but I don't have a big, uh, I won't say big tribe, but I have my, my key friends, but I do have this wonderful community of running, like running community that goes beyond my closest people and I wouldn't be where I am without them, you know, people that just help out, you know, help my kids or, um, try to think like, you know, I, I have, I've met people that own like, you know, a bakery and like, they've this huge running club and, and it's just like, it's just, like you said, goes from, we all, we all love running. Everybody that's a runner loves running for probably the same reason. So if you're a five hour marathoner or a three, it doesn't matter. You know, in my eyes, it's, we all enjoy this. And, uh, I feel like I came to New Jersey with knowing nobody and I have do have this community, but it's not just um friendship. It's well it's friendship, but it's a bond with people that I I couldn't be here without it.
1: Makes sense. Um so fast forward past twenty twenty four and another eight years, so we're ten years in the future. What are you really proud of?
0: Really proud at taking risks, I think. There's been key times I think over the last couple of years that if it didn't take a risk at something, I wouldn't have uh, have had some of the most memorable moments in running or like my life in general. So I think that was important to me to do that. What
1: sort of what sort of risks?
0: I mean, there's I mean, I could take I could say talk about personal risks. Um it's kind of deep, but like I don't even want to sound selfish, but going through a divorce. Um, and my ex-husband and I are the most, we are amicable. We are co-parents. Um, but it was knowing it wasn't, it was doing the hard right, not the easy wrong. And some people don't understand that. Like, you know, or they may say, Oh, you just walked away from something. It could have worked, but no, like it was a risk, but it was, it was the hard right. And I think it brought a lot to my ex, myself, and our children, you know, and, uh, that's just one personal one. If you want to talk about running related, it was saying yes to worlds. It was, I mean, you know, at that time people said, no, 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 they don't want to go to Doha. The people above me. And when it came to me, I was already signed up for New York and I was kind of told by people don't, don't do worlds, just do New York, you know? And I was like, no, I, I this is like, to me, this is an honor. Like, I'm like I said, 41, I'm never I may never be on this kind of stage again. And so why not? And I think it opened up a lot for me. I, I, I challenged myself for me. That's been the most extreme weather marathon I've been in. And, and, um, and I did it. I set out to something that day and, and, uh, I took a risk and I, I, and I placed sixth. I mean, I'll never, never regret anything going into that race. Do
1: you think running prepared you to take that personal risk?
0: Yeah, yeah. How so? I think because when we're out here running, we're exposed. We're we're down to the gritty. The you know the inner core. We're hurting. We're, we're I don't know. For me, when I'm out running, I give it all, and I know that it's hard. But then there's also it, there's an outcome to it. If that makes sense. Like there's it's hard. You're down to your, your you are could be in tears, crying, but it's okay because you're gonna get up and and you're gonna move forward. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a, I don't talk about it often, but it was a, it was a, you know, a big, a big risk to take. Um, but I think I only grew from it. Hardship.
1: Do you think running is like a sandbox to practice failure? <laughs> Do you think that could, <laughs> yeah, that no, could like be that. a way yeah, that it contributed yeah, no, as well? For
0: sure, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, how many times have we? You think you're at your best and you fail and you don't know why or you you think you know why but it's probably not the reason why. Just like I go into Houston thinking, "Oh, well, it was nutrition. That's why I didn't run the sub 2:30." But I don't I'm not exactly positive that's why, you know. But like I think we talk I talk about with my kids recently just uh it's how you pick yourself up from any any situation. And if you want to stay negative, you're going to it's going to be negative if you step forward and try to think of the positive then you'll hopefully go in the right direction
1: i think so much i completely agree i think so much of like the value of running is how you extrapolate what you learn to to life right like you can fail in running and it's not going to have much of an impact on your life or it's not going to ruin your kids lives or it's not going to ruin your partner's life yeah. or whatever um like this muscle memory or the exposure to discomfort, I think is so valuable.
0: Yeah, this is very true. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah, I mean running, you can, you can relate it to your life easily, you know, the hardships, the highs, the lows and everything in between. So, um, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's been definitely a journey. I appreciate every moment. And I think growing older and being able to truly, I don't know how to say understand, but see, understand value, what it brings to me in all aspects of my life. But it's not my, it is not the only part of my life.
1: That makes sense. Awesome. Well, I very much appreciate the, the sharing of your journey. Um, for those who, who want to follow along with, uh, with you on social, where can we find you?
0: So Twitter, I'm marathon girl two forty five. I'm not like the best at tweeting, so <laughs> and uh, Instagram, bad boys one zero four. Um, I, I think like I would say since COVID, I'm not so much on social media. It's just kind of like I enjoy going and seeing what others are doing, but not so much. I don't say I'm putting my life out there, but I just kind of more quiet. <laughs> but that's how you can find that makes me. Sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, well, thanks so much again, and uh, we'll hope to see you out there soon. Great. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails! If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For The Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village.